Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, episode three. Very exciting, because we have a guest with us here. Uh, my old friend of like a year. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we got uh, Nathan Potter. Nathan, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Not bad. What, what's what, what's your deal? Tell us about yourself. What's your story? Um, well, uh, is it, am I the first guest? Yes. I feel honored. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I'm I'm from Kansas City, Missouri originally. Yeah. Eight one six represent. Woo. Um, <laughs> Ridiculous. I went to college in Missouri. I moved out here to uh, be an actor. And then uh, I got involved. I went to a church uh, after a long stint of blatant transgression. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, went to a church called Reality LA for a little while. And then the Lord just opened himself up to me. It was like, Hey, you remember how you got saved in high school and now you've been my enemy for the last little while. And I was like, ah, oh, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. And it was, it was much more, uh, reverent than that, but submitted myself to him. And immediately he, he blessed me with a, a woman that I was supposed to get married to. Mm. So I did a month ago. That's right. Um, but then, but before the wedding happened, uh, he, through prayer and, and a number of other confirmations, uh, the Lord was like, hey, stop acting, and now you need to think about being a pastor. So trying to figure out what that's all about. I uh, I was working a regular job. Mm. I got laid off a couple of days ago. Praise the Lord. Absolutely. Uh, so now I'm just kind of, uh, yeah, I'm waiting on him, just seeing what the next season for my life is. Uh, he's got me studying a lot. I've fortunate now to have a lot of time to study i'm mm. deep in the word i'm getting discipled by a, a pastor um gonna start helping out at the office because i got nothing else to do yep. uh <clears throat> yeah that's kind of where i am right now all right so you seem you're upbeat which is yeah which is great like it's the exact opposite of what other people who've been laid off yeah would you know would be like yeah. i mean what was your What was your job? If you don't, um, uh, no, that's that's fine. I was working uh, as a an office production assistant, mm-hmm. so I was salary. I was in house, yeah, uh, on yeah, there every day or whatever, um, just doing whatever needed to be done. It was a notable production company. I'd rather not mention them, just that's in case. Fine. That's fine. But uh, a notable one that you would recognize if I told you the movies that they made, right? Um, and uh, yeah, I just did whatever they needed. I I sat in. And filled in for assistance of of uh, very important people. Yeah, uh, VIPs they call VIP. Them. The, that's exactly what they call them. Yeah. Um, I uh, I've made copies. I made I did runs for things. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it. Yeah, that was cool. Now, as a as an actor, um, you know, as an actor and a PA, production assistant, PA, we call those. Yes, in the here in, in, in the, the biz. biz. Um, <laughs> We uh, anyway, but uh, what was it? What was it like being a a Christian working as an actor and as a PA in Hollywood, a place that you know the rest of the country, you know, Christians all around the country view as like you know modern day Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah or yeah. Babylon or Babylon, whatever. Babylon. Sure. Um, I was actually it was really strange because I got I got saved like after I'd been working there for a while mm-hmm. or I, I guess I recommitted myself to Christ. I got saved way before that. But, yeah. um, so people already knew me. And then I just one day was like, Hey Jesus. And they were like, what? And I didn't get opposed. I, I mean, people disagreed with me, mm-hmm. but it was never like no one ever hated me or anything like that. Like I didn't lose friends or anything. No. Um, one guy tried to like, like slight me one time with it. He was like, blah 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 why don't you go talk about jesus and i was like i'm gonna and then it was that was over uh (laughs) and we ended up being buds after that it was no big deal um but yeah it was really strange the i i shot a full-length feature last year uh, as an actor and uh everyone was really open to the gospel Mm -hmm. uh when like a startling number of people asked me about it and um and it actually 
I think my experience was more frustrating than if they would have been like, well, that's stupid. And you're, you're an idiot. And like hated me Mm -hmm. because instead I got this lukewarm, like, Oh, that's really good for you. But, um, I think that everything's okay. It was very like universalist relativism kind of postmodern thing. Yeah. Um, but they weren't necessarily even really that closed off to hearing about it. No. Um, why do you, why do you think that was, was, how did you present it? If you, you know, Right. All right with that. Well, I always, I, I, even when I wasn't a Christian, I was really big on if you if you have a faith, if you have something that you're into, don't shove it in people's faces. Right. Just live your life, and if people ask about it, tell them about it. Mm-hmm. And and when I did get saved in high school, uh, the church I was involved with was very big on preach the gospel, speak if necessary. Yeah. So yeah. it was all about worshiping Christ through your life. Yeah. So when I, when I recommitted myself, it was like, that's, that's what I was about. Yeah. So people didn't like when I met people, it wasn't like, hi, I'm Nathan Potter. Are you a sinner? Like, yeah. You know, like I just talked to them and they asked me what was going on in my life. I asked them what was going on in their life. And after I got to know them for a little while, they'd be like, so what are you about? I'd be like, I'm I'm a Christian. I go to church or, or I'd mention church or whatever. And then they'd ask. And I don't know. I think the key is. I didn't start off that way. I didn't ever go into a conversation hoping to preach the gospel to somebody. Yeah. yeah. It was just something that came up. Okay. And I actually, uh, that will make for a nice transition into our uh, topics today, um, particularly the, the, the second film that we talk about. But uh, first and foremost, mm-hmm. th- well, first off, thank you for being here. I'm glad to be here. All right. And uh, today we're going to talk about a movie that... Uh, I've been pretty vocal about on my other uh, other podcast, Battleship Pretension. Uh, I've written blogs about it on Pop Culture Beast. It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. Um, and it's... Uh, <laughs> why do you say stuff like that? Eh, just, I don't know. All right. Anyway. I'm very so, clever. Yeah, indeed. So, okay. So the movie is Religious, uh, directed by... Oh, hang on one second. Let me make sure that... Uh, no, we're good. Okay, all right. I'm alright. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. I oh, was checking cool. on uh, checking on checking Nathan's mic. mic. I might cut this out. I might not. I think I like letting people see the seams. There it is. Anyway, yeah. but uh, we're going to be talking about Religious, which is a movie that I have uh, that everybody has very strong feelings on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I was I wasn't that interested in seeing it. I mean, I know what it, it, it's for. Those that don't know, it was directed by Larry uh, Larry Charles, the guy who. Uh, he came up directing Seinfeld episodes, um, and he directed Borat, and then he will be, and then he directed uh, the upcoming Bruno film, and um, and so he directed uh, Religious, and kind of the host basically uh, is Bill Maher, who's the comedian, social satirist, that kind of thing, and I know, and I knew that it would be pretty much kind of the Bill Maher show, and. So I wasn't that interested in seeing it. I already knew. I was already familiar with his stand-up. And I actually, as a stand-up, I think he's kind of funny. Um, but I, I didn't need to see a whole movie of this, uh, of his kind of smugness and such. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw him present at the Oscars, in which... <laughs> I wish this was a, a video podcast, because you would see uh, Nathan has just collapsed into his own arm. Uh, and for those that 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 might remember uh, Bill Maher's comments at the Oscars, uh, he, you know, basically he, he was presenting the award for best documentary, even though Religious was not nominated, and that's that's fine. That kind of thing doesn't it has happened before. It's not a big deal. But uh, he had his own comments beforehand, and he said that, uh, and it kind of came off as sour grapes, you know, to yeah, a degree, um, in which he, you know, he he commented. And just the way his comments were written and the way he said them, he goes, you know, he goes, ah, you know, I'm I'm honored to be, uh, you know, presenting for best documentary, even though I wasn't nominated. And people kind of chuckle a little bit. And he goes, no, no, it's a touchy religion's a touchy subject, blah blah blah. And the idea, and by stringing those two sentences together, the idea was that he wasn't nominated because religion is a touchy subject, and that's what his documentary is about. And so, so it made it sound like. It it kind of it was kind of a martyr attitude, yeah. 
um, like, yeah. well, hey, you know, it's a it's a difficult subject, and uh, the doc, you know, the Academy were they were a little too uh, a little too squeamish to nominate it. Um, Ridiculous. But uh, in point of fact, uh, I personally think it's a terrible documentary. It's bad. Um, and that's the thing is, so today we're going to be talking about religious. Um, from a couple point of, points of view, uh, we'll be talking about it from a filmmaking point of view, and we'll be talking about it from a spiritual point of view, of course, mm-hmm. um, because you know it's it is philosophically, I'd say spiritually and philosophically, it's pretty dubious. Mm-hmm. And from a filmmaking point of view, it rep- first off, it represents something that I dislike about a lot of modern documentaries. I think Michael Moore kind of kicked it off. Um, in which he made these very very populist documentaries, and there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with ha- having that attitude, wanting to appeal to a large audience. But the way in which he did it, which was to incorporate comedy, which kind of, but the kind of comedy that made Michael Moore and the audience that he was playing to made them feel superior to the people they were talking to. And so you look at that, and it was continued with Super Size Me, which is not a mean, which is not mean spirited, by the way, that documentary. No. But it's made in that vein. Um, and then it was continued on into uh, Religious, and uh, even another one that's one could say is the exact opposite of Religious, called Expelled. Um, right. No intelligence allowed. Uh, I don't, I don't remember who the te- who technically the director is, but uh, the front man for that that documentary is Ben Stein, and I will probably be talking, uh, devoting an entire episode to that movie as well. Really? So I won't talk too much about it right now. Okay. But um, but they just these are these are films that just they they feel like well I'm delivering a tough subject, so I will incorporate humor, and there's nothing wrong with doing that, but the way in which they do it is very. It, it gets in the way of their subject. Yeah, I, think. I, I didn't feel like religious should have been qualified as a documentary. I feel like <laughs> I feel like there needs to be because I it, correct me if I'm wrong. You know more about movies than me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seems like there is mo- there's movies, yeah. comedies, romance, yeah, action, etc. And then there's documentaries, right? And there's kind of no in between there. Well, and and that's right. that's that's the thing is uh, Michael Moore kind of broke that down. I mean, there's right. like wh- why on earth. Did, did he win? I think it was at, at the the Cannes Film Festival. Why on earth did Bowling for Columbine was? It, oh shoot! Now I don't remember if it was Bowling for Columbine or Fahrenheit 9/11. Might have been both. Now that I think about it, but one of them won Best Screenplay. Huh. The only thing written is his is his narration. Granted, in, in a Michael Moore film, there's a lot of narration. But why would they do that? You know, yeah. and it's because he himself, when when he has been pressed says, you know, because his films are not completely accurate. Right. Um, and we'll talk more about that with Religious in a moment. But his films are not totally accurate. And whenever an, inter- an interviewer would say, like, well, you know, you kind of flubbed this fact a little bit. And he, he would always say, like, well, I'm making comedies. How can there be inaccuracy in comedy? And that's the thing is because he was making these comedy documentaries, um, he always had a fallback. You know, if somebody approached it purely as comedy, he would say, hey, but I'm also asking important questions. If somebody said, hey, you're not asking the questions in a completely honest manner, he'd be like, well, I'm making a comedy. And that's a cop out. Yeah, it is. I I feel like there needs to be a separate category like commentary film or something. Yeah. Because these films that that you've been mentioning and religious is included in aren't documentaries. They're not like the other movie we'll be talking about. Right. um, Right. Hell House. They're not a, a an impartial, we set up a camera, we let these people do what they did. If right. they show themselves to be true, they sh- they're true. Mm-hmm. If they hang themselves, we didn't do it, they hung themselves. You know, it's very, I don't know, I just always felt like the point of documentaries was to, was to basically do journalism without an anchor. To document something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's in the word, as it turns out. It, it, it's right there. <laughs> um, they're not fooling anybody with that word. Um, yeah. It's, uh, and that's the thing is, you know, people can argue about what a documentary is supposed to be because within that, which is basically just t- documenting, you know, an event or a person's life or, or whatever the case may be, and then finding a story in it, finding a way to, to condense it to two hours and make it interesting to an mm-hmm. audience. Within that... There's a lot of room to mm-hmm. move. Sure. Um, and for a long time, I myself felt that like, well, you know, if, if you come up 
with the end first, which is I'm going to make a movie. Uh, I'm going to make a documentary about how destructive religion is. Well, then that will affect the style in which you f- make the film. Yeah. Because if you wanted to make a film about religion, well, then you just start shooting, you know, very, you know, you, it's a pretty, you cast a pretty wide net and you see what, what you catch, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you if you go in with an idea in mind that I'm going to talk about this aspect of religion, which is purely a function of his own opinion, then you're not going to cast a wide net. You're going to cast whatever. I don't know why I keep using this net thing, but you're going to cast whatever net catches what you want. Yeah. And so um, and that that I think is is one of the big critiques that people have had with uh, religious is mm-hmm. that, you know, uh I, you know, I was, I was raised in the church and I've gone to several churches in several different states and I've known a lot of really great Christians and they're intelligent, they're reasonable, they can defend their beliefs logically and, but I've no, I I have known some who they believe it probably because their parents did. Right. And it's just the only thing they know. Right. And... Now, between those two, if you're going to talk about the destructive uh, force of religion, which one are you going to talk to? You're going to talk to the one who can't defend mm-hmm. his beliefs. Because if you talk to somebody who can actually bring up logical arguments, um, it might not make you look good or right. Like, it might actually leave something to the audience, and they would have to decide for themselves. But you're not making this film for them to decide for themselves. You're making this film as a function of yourself. And getting your opinion out there. And so, you know, Bill Maher talks to extremists. He talks to people who just have never, probably have never really thought about their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, and, and we're going to probably, we're going to be limiting our discussion to the Christian aspect of the film. Because yeah. in the two-hour film about religion in general, he taught a solid, what was it, 58, 58 minutes? minutes? yeah. 58 like minutes that. are right devoted on. to... Christianity in particular. Yeah. Um, and then he moves on. But, uh, but yeah, and so, so he talks to, and you get the impression he talks purposely to people who are, who he feels are, are bad representatives of the faith. He talks to a couple, a couple people. He, he talks, talks to, to a couple people that are legit. Yeah. He talks to a guy named Francis Collins, who's the head of the Human Genome Project. Yep. And it, clearly an, a <laughs> brilliant guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the smartest guy in the film, I would probably say. Um, and that guy's a, a devout Christian, mm-hmm. you know. And it should be noted that his interview is not given a lot of time. Um, and that's and that's another problem that I have with it is, yeah. you know. It's also, his interview is also hacked to pieces. Yeah. It's clearly like, it's like, it's like the Simpsons episode where... They're interviewing Homer because he's like he's getting attacked for sexual harassment. That's right, and and like they just cut to him saying different things, but you see the clock behind him having yeah. different times on it every time. Yeah, like there's no way, and his tone of voice changes. And yeah. it's just like it's I want to like, get. I just wanted when I saw that sweet can, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, it's about yeah, it's about that. And one thing that I will throw to Michael Moore his his edits, which are pretty creative. His edits are pretty seamless. Yeah. Like, he can take two speeches, two completely separate speeches by Charlton Heston, as evidenced by the fact that he's wearing different ties, uh, and he can make them seem like one speech yeah. by having interesting cutaways and stuff, you know. And, and it's like, wow, that's really, it seems like one speech, mm-hmm. you know. And so, but, you know, Larry Charles and Bill Maher, either they're not interested in that or they just don't know how. Um, how to hide that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, you'll run across it all the time. Oh man, it's bad. I mean, there's a guy that he uh, that he speaks to who runs a, a, what is it, a bookstore or? Yeah. not It's not purely books, but it's, you know, like a Christian bookstore. Yeah. And they're, and Bill Maher and he, they're talking about miracles. And, uh, and the guy is, you know, and, and while I don't agree with some of the things the guy is saying, it's not that I don't agree with it, but like, he gets a little off ta- off task. Yeah, and like a lot of his belief is based purely on feelings and kind of what some would say is circumstantial evidence, right? Which is not that great, but you know he 
he he certainly does humor Bill Maher, and he kind of mm-hmm. keeps up with him, and he has yeah. his own reasons for believing in things. And then there's a part where Bill Maher says, like, "Hey, your your bar for your bar for miracles is pretty low." And then the guy says, "He goes, well, whatever." Cut. You know, clearly there's more to his sentence, but it cuts after him saying, "Well, whatever," as yeah. if the guy doesn't have any defense. Yeah, and he just and he's saying, "Well, whatever." They do that a lot, where. Bill Maher will make some kind of point that is really not that great of a point sometimes, and then it will cut to the subject either sitting in silence as if they have no retort, or it will cut to uh, a response that it's like, mm, this might have been, they might have said this earlier in the interview, or there might be more to their response, and he's just not letting him have it. Yeah. You know, he needs to render every interview subject speechless, whether they are or not. And mm-hmm. it's really obvious. Yeah. Yeah, it's... The uh, the whole film, and, and I guess what we're doing now is, for our Christian audience, is kind of mm-hmm. warning them what they're yeah. in for. Uh, oh, yeah. It, it really feels like the whole time what they're trying to do, and you've said this before, is they're trying to set up a joke. They're yeah. trying to set up a punchline. Right. And the punchline is always the Christians. It's like, oh, yeah. ha-ha, look at how foolish this person is who believes in God. Yeah. How ridiculous of them. And it's like, really? Like, really? The guy who... It has been contradicting himself the whole movie. Mm. The guy who's narrating this thing, the guy who calls himself a seeker and never talks to someone who is a theologian, an yeah. expert on the subject. Yeah. You're seeking, but you're not going to talk to experts. That's interesting. Yeah. He starts the film with saying, you know, talking about, uh, you know, religion and the role that it's that it's playing in, in the world. And he, he doesn't know why, why people believe it. And then he says, he says, I have to find out. I have to try. Mm-hmm. And then that song, The Seeker, comes in, which is a song I happen it's a, it's to love. It's a great song, yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it, honestly, like, if you if you were seeking something in anything, in anything else, like, it's like, I have to know what the best car in the world is. You will talk to car experts <laughs> and perhaps car manufacturers. Perhaps. You know, if, like, almost anything else in the world, you would talk to the experts he chooses to talk to people who don't know what they're talking about. And there is something to be said for that because there are people like that out there, mm-hmm. by all means. Lots of them. Lots of them. And that's, that's fine as long as, as long as he tempers it with people who do know what they're talking about. I mean, I, as I've said, I've, you know, I've spent my whole life in the church, and I feel like I can, I can put up a fairly reasonable argument for you know, a belief in God and a belief in Jesus— but I, I mean, I know a guy who, who went to seminary, he got his doctorate, and he wrote his thesis on the Trinity. And um, Wow. And so I asked, so I just, I, I, this guy was only giving me a ride from my friend's house to the L, uh, the L train in uh, Chicago. And, I, and so it was like a mm, seven minute drive. Mm-hmm. And I said like, hey, so what do you do? He goes, oh, I'm uh, finishing my doctorate on, uh, uh, you know, I'm finishing my thesis on the Trinity. I'm like, really? What? Are, what's your take on that? Why did I ask that? That's really stupid. <laughs> yeah, of me. that was a poor choice. That for was, you. A, I, you know, I was. I thought I was making small talk. No. And then he launches into all these things. I'm like, wow, this is almost. People are going to get mad at me for saying this, and and I don't mean in the strictest sense. This is almost like a science. Like he's throwing out like stuff that's like, wow, like the actual study of this. Mm-hmm. A person can devote their whole life to it, and it's and it's not just them. Don't get me wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with reading the Bible, but there are so many other books that expound upon that. They it puts things in context. It's yep. they can look up different interpretations and blah blah blah, and they can devote their entire rational adulthood to this. And it's and Bill Maher acts as if those people just don't exist. Yeah, or that there's or that maybe there's only two of them, and he talked to them already. You know. Yeah, and and while we're saying that, there are there are a few people that he talks to that totally know what they're talking about. He oh, yeah. just completely just like the head of the Human Genome Project. Oh yeah, for instance, or the um, I can't remember his name, the guy that leads uh, Exchange Ministries, John Westcott. John West, yeah, let's... John Westcott knew what he was talking about. Yeah, but Bill Maher didn't want to talk theology with him. He wanted to talk. Um, basically, he wanted to talk subjective matters and semantics. Yeah. The the worst of which, and this is something I actually got, I, I didn't get upset because I knew, listen, you're going to want, if you watch this movie, just know 
that you're getting into something that's going to upset you. Accept the fact that Bill Maher is not going to even come even close to trying to find what you believe in. Yeah. And just watch it for the lessons you can get from the other Christians. Oh, yeah. Because John Westcott does something awesome. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say what angered me, and then I'll get to why John Westcott's By awesome. By all means. Um, because Bill Maher says, well, he says something to the effect of like, he, he makes a mention of how happy the homosexual public is. They're like, well, they took the word gay. They look pretty happy to me. Yada, yada, yada. And, uh, and John Westcott goes, well, they're really unhappy inside. They're, they're hurting. They yeah. didn't choose this. And Bill Maher says, well, that's, that sounds pretty judgmental for me, John. And we get one of those moments where like, John doesn't have anything to say. Ooh. Yeah. And it's like, okay, okay. It's not judgmental. You're, you've got an incorrect definition of judgmental, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. And then almost immediately after, uh, Mar launches into, well, if I saw you in a bar, I would automatically assume you're gay because you're a, you're a well-groomed man. You're a good looking guy. You're fit. That's a judgment bill. Yeah. Like yeah. don't, don't call someone judgmental and then judge them. That's, Ridiculous, and they also don't they they don't uh, approach the okay. So John Westcott, formerly gay man, right. uh, married to a former lesbian. Yep, and Bill Maher uses uh, oh. he uses an, that opportunity in which he spells out kind of for the viewer. He says, "You're a formerly gay man, married to a lesbian. You have three children." Uh, and then what does he say? The exact the, word, ju- I the jury's out on them. That's the one, and it's like. You know, I understand oh. you don't agree with this guy. You don't agree with what he's doing. But you're talking about his kids. Yeah. Like, that's... Okay. Anyway, I'm not... I won't... Anyway. So, but... So, he's so he, he talks about that, and, like, I'm sure he probably is judging John Westcott right now, judging him as a man who probably is still gay, you mm-hmm. know, a guy who's denying himself. And he's making a judgment. He makes judgments all through the film. Yeah. You know, but he's... But when it suits him, you know, he can judge all he wants, you know, judgmental. It's one of the things that has bothered me immensely is just is that the term judgmental, apparently only non-religious people can use it mm-hmm. um, when, in fact, everybody judges all everybody else all the time forever. You know, right. and it's and there's a, I, I won't get into it, but theologically, biblically speaking, there is an assessment Mm-hmm. That as Christians, the Bible actually calls us to make of people. Yeah. And often that assessment is negative. Yeah. Does that mean we hate them? No. That means we love them and we try to give them the keys to life, which is Jesus Christ. Right. Because we want their assessment to be positive in the Lord's sight. Like, I did go into it, biblically and theologically. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to. It's, it's a lot bigger than that. But that, that's often mistaken as judgmental. And it's not. Mm-hmm. Because... For instance, I meet somebody and I'm like, oh, you are, I don't know, what's a blatant sin that nobody will get upset about? You are dealing drugs openly. Um, Okay, well, that is obviously a bad thing. Yeah. You're not necessarily a bad person. Right. Because the Lord loves you, so I need to love you. Yeah. That's not judgmental. That's knowing the facts. Yeah. And the people that do that in the film... Are, sol- are the solid Christians that I'm like, oh, other Christians need to watch this film because of those people. Right. John Westcott's one of them. Um, the guys at the trailer park, or not trailer park, the the track. The, the trucker chapel? Yeah, the trucker chapel. And um, I totally just blanked. Who's the other legit Christian in there? Jesus. Uh, yeah. The guy that plays Jesus. <laughs> Slow down, everybody. He doesn't talk to Jesus specifically. <laughs> uh, he goes to the, the Holy Land Experience, which is, where is that? Is it in? Uh, I think it's in Florida. Florida? Yeah, it's in Florida. And uh, the guy who plays Jesus is only ever identified in the film as Jesus. Yeah. And uh, and that guy actually goes uh, toe-to-toe with, with Mar for the most part. And does really well. Yeah. Up until, and I'm going to uh, bring in the, yeah. cha- the, Do it. the trucker... Uh, chapel guys in this there is a uh, and that's the thing is as Nathan has said you can learn a lot from this film Mm -hmm. you can learn what to do and you can learn what not to do and one defense that is made a couple of times and is I feel somewhat legitimately made fun of by Mar is the idea that well what if you're wrong Mm -hmm. you know in which they say to Bill Mar what if you're wrong you know the idea is you know, if you're wrong, you go to hell. If I'm wrong and I just die, no big deal. 
you know um and that's that is a that is the very last argument that a person should make and i would venture to say they shouldn't make it mm-hmm. um because then it's not then it's purely about fear it's purely about hedging your bets or as uh you know as uh bill maher says you know it's like doubling down you mm-hmm. know it's like well it's better than nothing you know or something and it's and that's that's never a good reason and and you should never say i remember i thought of that reason like in early high school and i realized early on it's like no one's going to you're never going to convert anybody based on that argument yeah um, it might happen it Let's might not say happen, never but rarely rarely chances are that might be the jumping off point for a better argument or you know they have that in mind and then they think of something else related to that and the something else is probably a a better point i hope so i hope so here's here's a huge problem with the what if you're wrong yeah um it'll always happen bill maher does this he throws yeah. it right back well what if you're wrong yeah and and people and like you just said the, the automatic like christian answer is well if i'm wrong i just die no big deal yeah no that's that's incorrect biblically yeah. there is a better answer if we're wrong Paul says we are to be the most pitied of all people on the planet. <laughs> we are the worst off. Yeah. Because we're living a life of sacrifice for nothing. Yeah. That's terrible. We're hoping in nothing. It's pitiful. Therefore, the idea that well what if you're wrong is is just a bad way to go. Yeah. I mean it can it can be twisted around, and that's the thing. What if what if the argument that the person makes back to you isn't even a function of atheism? What if they say you're what if you're wrong and another religion is right? Yeah. Then you still could go to, you know, you yeah. could still go to hell or something like or that. Or whatever it is for, for right. them, yeah. And so um yeah, so and it's so that's the thing. It's made by the 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 trucker the truckers mm-hmm. and it's like, "Ah, oh, that's not a good it's not a good argument to make." Mm-hmm. And it broke my heart when he's talking to Jesus. Yeah, and G- and the very and who knows when all the editing is suspicious at this point, but um, so who knows when Jesus actually made the point? But they put it at the end of the interview. Yeah, now he might have made it at the end. He might not have. I don't know. Either way, it has it has tremendous power. That at the end, that's that's the only thing he had. Mm-hmm. You know, that is that like he'd used all his other arguments, and now ultimately he just has this, and and it's it's sad like one of the one of the things that you that people need to learn from this movie is how to i won't say argue but how to verbalize their beliefs in an intelligent way the person may not accept them they probably won't but at least you need to know Mm -hmm. i mean i was talking to somebody recently and i just and i said well i was i was talking to my brother-in-law honestly who just graduated high school and and I said, and I kind of told him like, okay, well, you're, you're an adult now. You're going to be going out into the world and you're going to run across people who do not agree with the things you agree with. And they're going to question you a lot and you need to know your answer. If for no other reason than for yourself. And I said, for example, do you believe in God? He said, yes. I said, why? And he, and he kind of had this look like the same look I had when people, when somebody asked me, mm-hmm. which was, geez, I don't know. I just always have. And it's like, okay, that's that's maybe good for you, but it's not going to be good enough for other people. And so, like, you need to, you need to learn how to verbalize your your beliefs in a way that at least makes sense to you, and will hopefully at least make sense to somebody else, even if yeah. they don't agree with it. Yeah. Um, and another thing, and Nathan, I know you're going to back me up on this. Bill Maher knows the Bible. Oh yeah, and he uses it against. The interview subjects. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, he doesn't know the spirit of the Bible or no. the tone, and the, the only or time the context. Yeah, and the only time he's really successful is when he's talking to people who have no idea what's going on. Absolutely, that's when he is successful. Mm-hmm. When Pete, when he knows more about it than they do, and they claim to believe it. And so that's the thing is, I mean, I, I watched this. Uh, you and I, Nathan, watched it with a group of guys, mm-hmm. and. You know, we there was a lot of things we didn't like about the movie, but the one thing we all came out of was we got to read our Bibles. Like, yeah, we need to know this. Yeah, because th- because the enemy knows it. And in this case, I am talking about Satan. You know, he knows it, and he'll know exactly how to twist it so that all of a sudden you're like, oh, geez, 
I, I didn't even know that, you know, like he'll throw a verse at you that you've never heard. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm in a corner now. What do I do? Yeah. And if, so like if you, if, if religious teaches us anything in a positive way, it's that we need to learn what we believe and going back to the Bible is probably, I'd say step one. Yeah. In I'd, doing say, that. I'd say that's it. Yeah. That's um, the one, you know, and so, uh, now if now as far as the the filmmaking goes uh there's a few things that I just don't like along with the along with the editing and the and his choice of subjects there there's a thing that he'll do is when when he's talking with somebody uh there'll be subtitles that flash on the screen discounting what the person is saying or contradicting what the person is saying and um that even if what the person is saying is in fact wrong which I imagine it probably is but you should say it to them yeah. Give them at least a chance to to defend themselves. Yeah. You know? Unless the only thing I can think of is perhaps Bill Maher didn't know they were wrong at the time mm-hmm. and he threw it in later when they couldn't say anything. And now and now it's just Bill Maher winking to the audience and we're winking back at him because like, ah, we get it. This guy's an idiot. You know, it's not a fair shake at all. And he does another version of that where he will cut to himself in the van after the interview where it, 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 there's the actual interview and then there, it'll be intercut with him in the van talking about the subject. Either way, the subject doesn't know what is being said and cannot defend himself. And that is awful. That is real. I mean, there's a, there was a movie that came out, a documentary that came out called deliver us from evil. And it's about uh, a priest who, uh, was, you know, proven to have, molested a lot of children and the filmmaker interviewed him and she said that after after the interview was done she interviewed him i think for like a whole day maybe even two and she said afterwards she went to her hotel and just like hung out in the bathroom because she felt like she was going to be sick talking to this man she let him defend himself or hang himself you could say it that way she you know like like one of the like one of the it sounds mean, but like what people would consider one of the worst kinds of people in the world. And she gave him ample opportunity to say what he wanted to say. Bill Maher's going to talk to the head of the human genome project and is not <laughs> going to let him say what he wants to say. Like yeah. that to me is, is terrible, you know, yeah. and it's, and all it does, that's the thing is if you already agree with Bill Maher, you're not going to think, you're not probably going to think about this. You're going to be okay with it. Because it's telling you what you want to hear. And I'll say, I'll re- it happens a lot in the film Expelled as well. Okay, it's just, it's, it doesn't matter. If you're being told what you want to hear, then you won't look into the person telling it. Mm-hmm. All right, regardless of what you believe. Um, and so he counts on that, but yeah. And so it's just, it's very frustrating the way he approaches the interviews because everything about the film is all about confirming what he already believes to be true and he's not seeking anything there but there is no there's no song called the lecturer (laughs) you know if there was i imagine to be that'd be that'd be a difficult rhyme to make but but yeah so that's so from a filmmaking standpoint it's it's just very frustrating and it's not a good documentary no and that's why it wasn't nominated for best documentary and yeah yes religion is a touchy subject but the if the film is good no one cares you know mm-hmm. and so like in a year when milk was nominated and won several several important awards it's like you really think people are going to they're not going to nominate your film about religion yeah. like no if it's good they would have done it but it wasn't and so uh so now oh my we've been going a while yeah um but we can talk about some of the actual spiritual claims in the film if you like um, I just want to make mention of a, of a couple things, okay. and I, I'd love to talk about Hell House because I, I really oh, enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> there's there's a few misconceptions in it that Bill Maher goes in to the beginning of the movie with that I personally just wanted to be like, hey, anybody out there, Christian, non-Christian, whatever, that believes these things, I want to make it very clear. Firstly, he talks a lot about the church and intermingles Catholic dogma mm-hmm. and and theology with protestant dogma and theology 
and just lumps them together as yeah. the church. They are not the same thing. Right. They are separate. Yeah. Um, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. They're different things. Yeah. And, and, and will and you and I discussed this beforehand that just mm-hmm. to, just to put certain minds at ease, we're not slamming Catholics no. or anything like or that. Or Protestants. Or Protestants. It doesn't it's matter. Just that, that, you know, he does, he ascribes a lot of things that have happened in the Catholic church mm-hmm. to all Christians. And it's like, well, yeah. no, it's the, the Catholic church specifically that did this. He talks yeah. to plenty of Protestants, yeah. but he, because I think he was raised, um, he was raised Catholic, Catholic. Yeah. And so I think he just kind of makes that assumption yeah. that, that it's all, the that same. it's all the kind of the same. And, and two things in particular, he runs down a list of things that he says are quote, not in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are, uh, I have a list of them. They're things like, uh, the Pope, the Virgin birth, um, uh, I can't remember. There, there's two more that he specifically says. Two of them are actually in the Bible mm-hmm. a couple times, and the other two are Catholic traditions. Yeah, like like the Pope and stuff. But he makes no distinction distinction between the two. Yeah, and then he doesn't let anybody answer as to whether or not they're in the Bible. He just says that, and then he immediately makes another point, right? Which is ridiculous. Um, the other thing I really quickly wanted to say, very quickly, and then move on. Um, is he automatically assumes like the reason he's doing this is because we are a quote Christian nation. A couple of people mm-hmm. say that in the movie as well. Um, and, and I know a lot of our country is operating on that assumption and I just want to throw a wrench in that yeah. because this is not a Christian nation. Yeah. Uh, statistic I, I looked up and double checked recently, although I didn't write any of my references down. So there's that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, rough. <laughs> 34% of people in the United States claim to have had a born-again experience. Mm-hmm. 34%. That's a little over a third of the country. Now, that isn't even how many people are actually attending church regularly, reading their Bible regularly, and praying regularly, which are three tenets of Christianity that you're supposed to do. Right. Um, that number is even lower. It's something like... 12 or 16. So this country is so far from a Christian nation that it's not fair to label it as one. Mm -hmm. And therefore looking at the operation of the country and going, well, see the Christians have ruined our country is really not fair because we haven't. Yeah. We're, we're just kind of doing our thing over here, loving you and loving Jesus. (laughs) Get off our backs. Although there, there is a very, (laughs) there is a very vocal section of Christians who feel that, who literally will not vote for somebody if the person does not claim Christianity, right. whether they actually believe it or not. Right. Like it's, you know, and that's, that's one of the bothersome things. To yeah. Me. Which is a whole other thing that yeah, we that's, can't, that's we don't have episode. time for. Um, okay. Um, so yeah, uh, one thing that I will say, and I guess this is kind of a, this is a mixture of, of things. Um, there is a, there's a part in um, religious where Bill Maher and and this is this is this is to me is like the absolute uh, combination of dubious philosophy contradicting himself from a skeptical point of view and uh, the way he edited the film. Uh, there's a part when he, I believe it's when he's talking to um, John Westcott mm-hmm. and he's talking about uh, and I believe John Westcott says that there uh, that there is no gay gene, right. Oh, it then oh. it then cuts to uh, you know for the life of me I don't remember the name of the guy but I believe the guy wrote a book called the God Gene so it cuts to Bill Maher talking to that that author and Bill Maher says so you all and you also discovered the gay gene and the guy says yes and it cuts back to John Westcott we never see another section another piece of footage from that interview Mm-mm. ever. Again, in the whole film, they use it. They use two sentences and all the guy says is yes, that's it. They do not. There is no explanation at all. It merely identifies the guy and says that he wrote this book called The God Gene. That's it. We don't we don't know if this guy, you know, if this guy's got his bona fides, you know, or anything like that. It just does that to put to put at ease the mind of people 
the minds of people who already believe that that homosexuality is genetic and, and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? Let's say let's say it is. I'd like to know how that guy got to that conclusion. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people would like to know the people that do agree and the people that don't. It would be a fascinating section of that film. But no, they only do it enough to contradict the, the John Westcott, the subject that they're interviewing at the moment. And that to me is it's ridiculous. It's a missed opportunity. And it's just them doing what they have to do to get their message across. And it's absolutely it is it flies in the face of what a documentary should be. A yeah. good documentary would have would have had John Westcott's interview and then this guy's interview at least devoted 3 minutes to get to the guy's explanation. Yeah. But they don't. No. Because they because they know they don't have to. Because the audience that they're shooting for won't need them to. And so it's just to make John Westcott look dumb and Bill Maher look smart. And that to me is religious in a nutshell. That yeah. decision is everything that's wrong with religious. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So we could talk about religious probably for another hour, but we're probably. not going to. No. Um, so we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about a documentary about religion, Christianity specifically, that does it right, called Hell House. We'll be right back. We're back. Very exciting. I'm excited. I, I can tell. Yeah. Because here, here's why we're excited, everybody. Because <laughs> uh, as as uh, as we've started to uh, to do, uh, this is episode three, and so this is going to be this is going to be uh, you know uh, a staple. Is that we'll talk about you know a newer movie, and then we'll talk about an older movie, and kind of compare them thematically. Now, for the last couple weeks, it's been you know. New movies that are good and older movies that are also good. Mm-hmm. This case, Religious, which is not good and does it and does it wrong, and we'll be comparing it to a movie that does it very much right. Yeah, um, we uh, we watched a movie that came out um, in I believe two thousand one. Uh, I think that's when it was made. I think because uh, it was independent distribution, kind of gets uh, shady. I think it might have been two thousand two, yeah. but anyway, um, it's called Hell House. And it's a documentary about, uh, for those that don't know this already, um, there is a, uh, a church in Texas, and churches all over the country do it now, but there was a church in Texas that around Halloween time decided they're going to make their own haunted house. And, uh, th- but instead of vampires and werewolves and uh, zombies and other things, I'm sure, witches... Snakes. Snakes. Snakes are in them a lot. Snakes. Yeah. Spiders. Spiders are in them as well. That's ridiculous. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, instead of that, each room, because uh, the, the group goes through, and each room mm-hmm. uh, will have a sin of sorts. Uh, and uh, like That are usually pretty common to the American life. Yeah. And, uh, and it will also have uh, like the consequence of that sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, or rather, the consequence of that sin, as interpreted by this church in Texas, and uh, there is nothing at all subtle about it. It is, in fact, one would say it's kind of wrongheaded in its approach. It's blatant. I I don't know if it's wrongheaded because I think. Well, we'll get there. For example, it what with the wrongheaded thing. Here's what I'll say. Okay. Um, perhaps. Uh, wrong-headed in its execution um, because uh, for example it, there's a character who is gay mm-hmm. and uh, he gets AIDS because that's what happens when you're gay you know uh, uh, like yeah okay stuff I get like you. that I get where point, it's yeah. just it's like there's a character who goes to raves and she gets slipped a drug and gets raped because that's what happens when you go to raves and yeah. it's just and and so it's just it's stuff like that that it's like nah, that's not very you know even if it can happen it's not what always happens. I actually think, I, I think I think you're right. Mm-hmm. 
I think you're absolutely right that it's not it's not what always happens. Right. That's not always the consequence of making poor decisions. Right. But I think their point is worst case scenario. Right. Like because their ultimate point is to get to the afterlife. And yeah. the only way you can get to an afterlife in a short form like that yeah. is to have your character do something that causes them to die. Right. So while I while I agree that they're all very much uh, melodramatic stereotypes, yeah. they are extremes in order to illustrate a point. Right. But I and I think to me the the main problem with it is that like mm, like couldn't you have had like the person I don't know, it like I guess there is a car accident scene. We don't really see much of it yeah, in the film. No, we don't. But um you know, like if the ultimate punishment is in fact hell, mm-hmm. then like I feel like that should be the emphasis and that these people perhaps just die in a regular in kind of a regular way. But I understand what you're saying that it needs to be like it's like, well, we've only got ten minutes, you know. Yeah. And we gotta we gotta hurry this along. Yeah. Um but uh but either way, but in the hurrying along and in the melodramatic approach, um, it really I, I feel like it would probably turn a lot of people off. Probably. Um, and and some of the people that it would turn on, that's not the correct phrase, but <laughs> that it would intrigue the some of the people that it would intrigue uh, and and get questioning uh, about about the the themes of, of the house, um, you know, it might be out of fear. Um, it yeah. might not. Um, as we come to learn in the film, because it's all about the tenth anniversary yeah. of of Hell House, and this church is, uh, you know, they hold tryouts for the various parts like two months in advance. They it's a really big deal. They don't have it in the church. They build. An entire an entire other building to house this thing. Yeah, and they do it every year. They don't leave it up. They take it down and then rebuild it. So yeah. like, anyway, so um, so they devote a lot of time, energy, and money to it, and uh, and so it's all about the people. You know, it, it focuses on a few people, not everybody, and their um, and their approach to it, and. I'm fairly certain that the filmmaker does not like the practice of hell of, of doing the hell house. Right. But, and that's the thing. And in that way, I think he is probably similar to Bill Maher and Larry Charles and that he looks at what these people are doing and says like, Oh, I don't like that at all. But this is where a good, do- this is what makes it a good documentary is he doesn't let it show. He, you lets- never, there's really no way to know. Right. For right. all we know, he's a devout Christian, and he attends that church. Who knows? We have no idea. And so, that's that would be fascinating. Yeah. If that was the case. It's not the case, but it'd be fascinating if right, it was. Right. Um. And so, so he approaches the material com- uh, fairly objectively. He interviews, you know, a lot of the people uh, in charge of various aspects of it, and sure enough, some of the people are not really great Christians. They're people that would have been destroyed and religious by Bill Maher. Oh yeah. And he lets those people just speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. But there are some people that he talks to. For example, there's a guy named John who oh. is a father of five. John, if you ever hear this, bless you. God bless you. Yeah. You're you're amazing. You're doing it right, buddy. Yeah. John is a father of five. He is raising these five kids alone because his wife. What was that? I think that's a spoiler. Don't don't. don't oh, get, spo- don't get that. that's kind of a. His wife left him. Okay. 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 All right. And so, um, and so he suddenly is like, "Oh, geez, now he's got to work. He has to raise five kids. One of them with, I believe, cerebral palsy. Right. Yes. So he's got all this going, but his attitude uh, about Christianity and about Jesus." is dead on like one could say that he has reason to be kind of upset with God. Yeah. One could say that one could say that, but he doesn't say that. Nope. Quite the opposite. There mm-hmm. is a scene when his, uh, his, his, I, I, I don't know if it's the youngest child, but his child with cerebral palsy, I think it is the youngest um, child. goes into a seizure as everyone's getting ready for school. And he calls nine one one. Very calmly, very calm, very calm, very calmly. He calls 911, calls the paramedics, and I think like while he's on hold or mm-hmm. something, uh, he prays over his child, who instantly comes out of the seizure. Instantly. 
and is looking around, is smiling, you know, and he tells the paramedics, like, uh, you know what? He's, he's fine, I guess. Uh, don't worry about it. Now, the paramedics come anyway, and they, they apparently have come every time this, this child has had a seizure, mm-hmm. which is frequently. And they say, you know, he's looking better now than we've ever seen him. And John says, well, that's what happens when you prey on people. They wind up better than they were before. And his, like, it's just such a, just such a great attitude to have. Yeah. But he's also, he's also a practical guy, you know? Extremely. He's very, he's very realistic mm-hmm. in the way he talks about his wife and the way that, you know, I mean, he's a guy who, who strives for forgiveness uh, in his own life, but also strives to forgive others. Uh, even when he was, yeah, I, like he was wronged. And in this world, if you've been wronged, screw forgiveness, revenge, if anything, yeah, payback, yeah. you know, um, but there's don't a, let that person off the hook. I think there's a couple movies entitled that. Actually. Absolutely. Exactly. That's... There, yes, there are. They're very, <laughs> very broad titles, but um, payback actually is a movie I love. But anyway, Payback's um, a good movie. so fun. the, but he he's doing everything right. Yeah. He's supporting his children and I don't just mean financially. Like he's loving on them. Yeah. He's talking to he talks to his daughter about what role she thinks he should have in the play in yeah. the, in the in the hell house. Yeah. And then and he goes to the audition with her. Yeah. And afterward he's like you were so good. Yeah, and gives her a he's big just, hug. Yeah, loving on her. And he's just he's just a a wonderful guy. <laughs> Just a wonderful guy. You watch it and you want to give him a big hug. I'm going to try not to say loving on her anymore. I sounded like a southern woman. You, you really. I'm yeah. sorry about that. Um, bless your heart. Yeah. Um, oh, jeez. So, um, so there's so there's that aspect of it where there's a guy who's been faced with one adversity after another, mm-hmm. but has always but has used those to grow, if anything, closer to God. Yeah. And he's n- he's not judgmental. He's not an idiot. He's just a good man. And, and even though he and his daughter are, they go to a church that do this thing that the filmmaker probably does not approve of, the filmmaker still recognizes that he's a good man mm-hmm. who's living, you know, who's walking the walk, really. I don't like to use that term, but it does, it applies. Yeah, totally applies. So another, another guy that, we, that Nathan and I absolutely love, and I wish I remembered his name, yeah, but he's, he's a cop. But he also works as kind of the as an administrator of sorts and the security guy of Hell House. And he's just he's very soft spoken. He's he's just a nice guy. And there is a part in the film where uh, these these kind of I won't say punks because then I sound like an old man. (laughs) Um, But these but these these uh, very angry, rebellious teenagers. teenagers, these very angry, rebellious teenagers, they go through the house and they are furious by what they've seen, as I'm sure some people probably are. Yeah. Christian or otherwise. Um, and they are, yeah, one guy especially, but but the rest of them are kind of the same way, but he's really laying into the guard. I don't know how on earth they found him. But yeah. Well, I think he's laying into somebody else at first. Okay. And then the, the guy that we're talking about, I, can't, I wish we could remember his name. Yeah. He's like the head of security. He comes out and kind of, we don't see it, but they cut away and they have moved them away from the other people. Oh, okay. And he, just the security guard, the head yeah. of security is talking to them and that's and, it. And this kid is just, he's yelling at him. I mean, he gives him the finger like right in his face. Literally inches away from his face. And you would think that the, as anybody would, myself included, would get furious at that and his mm-hmm. and his security guard instincts and his cop training would kick in and it's like, what do you think of this nightstick? You know, <laughs> um, but he doesn't. In fact, he stays very calm. And and once like once the guy give once the kid gives him the finger right in his face, like even the kid's friends are like, hey, whoa. And the first thing the security guard says is like, it's OK. It's OK. I see where he's coming from. And yeah. And he proceeds to just have a nice discussion with these people in which he says like you know in which he he admits that like yeah like the people in the as as you said like the people in the house they made their choices we acknowledge that not every not every raver winds up like this yeah you know he goes but ultimately what it's about is following jesus Mm -hmm. if you do that then that's all that's what it's all about 
okay? And then God will deal with your specific sins. He'll convict you, whatever they are, in his own time. You just need to do this, mm-hmm. all right? Like, he focuses he, on that. He specifically says it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right. And what kills me about these these kids, it, it's, it's a very common thing to do, um, uh, and I hope that, if any of you out here that have that have listened that are listening to this have done this, uh, that you'll stop because <laughs> <clears throat> it, Christians do it as well. If you subject yourself to something, if you walk into something you know you disagree with, mm-hmm. don't be angry that you disagree with it. Like yeah. these kids walked into a Christian-oriented house, yeah, and when they came out, they were mad at the statements being made, yeah. That's like me going to the Bill Maher comedy show and yeah. then afterward yelling at Bill Maher because he doesn't believe in Jesus. Like, it doesn't make sense. I submitted myself to that. Right. And it should be. And I believe even the security guard says, well, well what did you think was going to be in there? Yeah, he does. And he the does. guy's like, well, I didn't think it was going to be this. And it's like, and you kind of want to be like, it's been going for 10 years. <laughs> and it's been in the paper a lot. Yeah. And you have friends that have gone to it. Why yeah. did you think it was going to be? Yeah. But, but yeah, that's, that's a good anyway. point. But just either way, just the way the security guard handles it, he's completely calm. And what's more is he's compassionate. I mm-hmm. think he sees things from their point of view. Yeah, he really does. And he tries to, yeah. even, even if he can't, even if he doesn't, he tries to, he tries to relate to them on their level when it would have been really easy for him to just totally stonewall them and just, is not receptive to anything they're saying. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this kid's giving me the finger right in the face. Uh, I don't think I have anything to say to him. Yeah. He, he doesn't do that. He is being openly mocked, and he still presses on ahead in a loving and understanding way. Yeah. And, but that's the thing is there's other, there are other Christians in the film who are kind of jerks, you know, yeah. to, to other Christians. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like the filmmaker was making a movie about something that I, you know, I, I will say that he doesn't approve of it. I'll say that definitively because okay. uh, on the DVD, there's a special feature from this American life uh, in which he's talking about uh, first approaching this oh, okay. and, um, and just, he, he looks at it with total disbelief, but he recognizes that the people behind it can't be all bad. And mm-hmm. in fact, he finds some, like he spends a lot of time with John a lot, you know, in fact, as far as family life goes, he's really the only one he talks to. Pretty much. Um, he's the only one that he talks to that's like kind of outside of the church, you know, in their everyday life. And so I think he recognizes that even in something that he doesn't agree with, there are people that are genuinely good and loving and understanding and forgiving, mm-hmm. which is everything that a Christian should be. And so, in fact, I'll I'll crib a line that Bill Maher, that Bill Maher says. He says... He he talks to the the truckers and he says, "Thank you for being Christ-like and not just Christian," which is now I'm sure he means it in a slightly derisive kind of way. But it's it's irony. That's ironic. It, it is, and so um, it turns but out at the Christian same time, Christ-like. It, absolutely. But at the <laughs> same time, there is a certain idea. You know, the term Christian for most people is a negative one. For a lot right. of people, is a negative yeah. one. Yeah. But so, like, you need to show them that. Christian means being Christ-like, which means being loving and forgiving and listening, you know? Yeah. And and open to what they have to say, not in the sense that, like, it's like, oh, uh, I agree with you completely, but seeing where they're coming from, you know? And so Hell House is just an astounding film. I mean, it really, it's about religion, and it's about an aspect of, re- of religion that the filmmaker does not like or does not agree with. Mm-hmm. A very specific aspect. But even within that, he approaches it objectively. And for that, it's a wonderful documentary. It's a wonderful examination of the topic. It really, it, it'll stay with you as, lo- as long as you live. I saw it years ago for the first time. I hadn't seen it again until you and I uh, watched it the other day. And I was surprised at how much stuff I remembered so clearly. And... Um, and so I'll end with I'll end with this that like the these days there's a lot of debate about religion and I feel like on both sides it's getting more and more shrill. All yeah. right. You look at religious you will see a shrill argument. If you look at Hell House you will see a reasoned intelligent argument. You will look at you see like the security guard and just the way he approaches people who do not agree with him aggressively do not agree with him. And that's, I feel like that's what we should be. That's what we can get out of these films is 
is to learn what to find out specifically what we believe, find out why we as people believe it and why you as an individual do learn how to defend it, but then also be willing just what was it? Uh, oh, if you know, talk if necessary, what's the, oh, what's the um, phrase? Preach the gospel, speak when necessary. Preach the gospel, speak when necessary, which literally means be Christian in everything, not just how you talk, because people are watching how you act as well. And the Bible tells us that. Yeah. So if that's a new concept for you, I would say read your Bible. Right. More regularly. So, um, so yeah, that's what we can get out of watching these movies. You know, I mean, I imagine there's a lot of Christians who would never have watched Religious. I myself was one of them. Mm-hmm. But you can learn things from it. Granted, it's things that the film is not teaching you. Yeah. <laughs> but you can still get something out of it. And I will say, actually, a uh, slight side note. Um, there's some aspects of Religious that Nathan and I did not, uh, did not tackle today. Uh, a lot. It okay. makes a lot of claims about comparisons between, for example, like the legend of Horus uh, in Egypt and then uh, the story of Jesus, saying that G- the Jesus story was basically just lifted from this. Uh, do... You, the internet is a resource. It's nothing to be a, afraid of. There are books also. There's books. There's entire websites devoted to that. Do your research, um, you know, and, fi- and find out for yourself. Bill Maher is not counting on you to do that, but please do. He, he in fact, didn't do that. <laughs> um, because, yeah, you can go anywhere. Go Alwaysbeready.com is a good one. Alwaysbeready.com. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but just, you know, just... Build like build up your defenses, but also don't let that become what it's all about. I've had that issue myself. Yeah, um, where it almost has become just as I'm putting you know putting together like a defense, it almost has just become words to me. But as you realize, like as you start to build your defense against other people, realize that these aren't just words; that these are clues that Jesus, that God has given you to His existence and His love and His forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something that I've had to try and keep, you know, keep in mind. Um, the book that I'm reading right now that I highly recommend is called uh, The Reason for God by Tim Keller. I'm sure a lot of you re- uh, recognize the name. And uh, and it's really good. And it's really been, uh, you know, speaking to me a great deal. Yeah. So um, anyway. All right. Well, I'm sorry that we've been uh, going so long. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. Uh, Nathan, thank you for uh, for being here. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, so thanks for listening, and uh, we'll get you next time. Bye.